Welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you've joined Diane and Joe as together we restlessly seek the face of God in today's crazy and mixed up world. And I don't know about you, but our crazy and mixed up world, as it continues to get crazier and more mixed up, uh, is can be a kind of a source of despair at times. You know, you kind of look at the world and you're like, oh, it's going to hell in a handbasket. Am I allowed to say hell online on the air? You just did twice, so we're, not, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna find out, aren't we? That's right. The FCC is gonna get on the case. Yeah, so <laughs> going to heck in a handbasket or wherever else you go in handbaskets. But uh, you know, so that can be like a source of despair. But today we're gonna talk about hope because hope, I think, is the antidote to despair. And uh, we're actually gonna do a, a series on different virtues. And this is our, you know, kind of one of our first ones. We did some some here and there in the past, so we're just gonna kind of make it an official thing now. And hope's a really good one to start on because it's something we desperately need. So. What do you think about hope? How do you define hope? What is hope? I mean, I, I think about hope as sort of like trust in the promise made to us by Christ, right? I mean, Christ told us that he that he conquered death and that he opened for us the way to the Father. And so, I mean, I, to, to me, I think, you know, hope is trusting in that reality, even though we can't like see it or, per, or perceive it in, any, in, in some real ways. I like that. Yeah. Yep. And I mean... The catechism definition. Uh, <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> Diane did her homework yes. and the rest of us do not. Um, is hope, is the the- <laughs> hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life is our happiness, placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, it's a gift from God. I think people forget that, that it's a gift, you know, and um, we receive it in baptism. It's one of the three theological virtues. I like what you said, though, about having eternal life as the object of hope, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of times we use hope in a sense of wish. You know, I hope I win the lottery. Mm-hmm. I hope I get this job, whatever. But that's not what hope really is in its core. Right. It's keeping the end in mind, which, you know, as Christians, it's eternal life, not this world. Yeah. And that can help us when we're in the midst of this crazy mixed up world. Yeah. Like there's there's going to be a victory mm-hmm. in the end. It's sort of the least obvious of the three theological virtues, though, isn't it? Because you could sort of see, like, if you explained Christianity to somebody and you said to them, okay, what do you think are, like, the three main virtues of it? Like, you'd, they'd probably get to faith and charity. Yeah. But, and they'd probably say humility. Or... Yeah, right. But then, like, saying, and also you have an obligation to be hopeful. I mean, that that this feels so dispositional, right? It, it does sort of seem a little odd, but then it kind of makes sense, too, because, like, well, again, if it's about trust and it's, it's about having confidence in, in the salvation offered to us by Christ— well, then, then it kind of then it makes sense that it's you know not confident not to be presumptuous or anything like that you know. But. Well, you said something very interesting. So it's so is it a feeling or is it a choice? You know, because you may not feel hope. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think that we tend to think of hope as, as a as a feeling or as a disposition or as like a temperament, but but really it, it ultimately it has to be a choice. I mean, it's a gift too, but to some extent we we have to choose to be hopeful. Yeah, which I think makes a difference. You know, between like optimism and pessimism, right? Because like some people are just naturally optimistic in their their outlook. And uh, I give a lot of credit to Bishop Caggiano, who is one of the most optimistic people I know. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always like closes these priest meetings with things like, and we're going to see a renewal in the church and the church is going to be bursting <laughs> again. And I'm a pessimist by nature. Yeah, so I'm sitting too. there being like, yeah, right. No, forget it. You know, but, and that's just like a natural temperament. But, but so how is like optimism different than hope? Well, that wasn't one of the questions. So Diane didn't prepare. So. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> we're off script now. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, I mean, optimism is is more sort of a, I don't know, like an emotional state, I guess. I hope is, um, yeah, I don't know. I actually have to think about that. I, I sort of think of optimism, pessimism as relating to like immediate things of this life. 
Mm. So like I'm eternally pessimistic about weather. Like it is my presumption that any event I schedule for outside will there will be bad weather, right? That's, <laughs> wow. But that doesn't touch my question. The question of hope. That's like, funny. Like I have hope in the in the resurrection of the dead, irrespective of whether or not it'll rain on Saturday. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> and so and, and I tend to I think you can be hopeful even within a pessimistic or optimistic context. So like. I'll often say things like, well, you know, yeah, politics are all falling apart, but like ultimately I have hope in the kingdom of Christ. So that's it's actually a pessimistic sentence if you really listen to it. Right? Yeah, so they said nothing's sure. working out well, but it's like, yeah, nothing's working out well, but that's okay because of my hope in the resurrection of the dead and the hope of the, of the kingdom to come and all that stuff. You can also be optimistic and, and talk about hope too. Like I think we have to, we can kind of adapt them to our own sort of outlooks yeah. in life. And, and I think too that hope doesn't necessarily gloss over the problems. You know, sometimes optimists do. Right. I mean, God bless him. I think the world is better off with lots of optimists here. But right. Well, you don't need hope if there, if there are no problems. I mean, you can only be hopeful if like you're experiencing hardship to something. Like, it'd, be, it'd be silly to go to somebody who was like really wealthy, had a beautiful family, everybody was healthy, and everybody, you know, and be like, have hope. It's like, well, thanks, but like things are going well. It's the person who has nothing who you say be hopeful to, because there's actually hoping that things will improve, right? Well, that's why St. Paul says, you know, that, that, that we'll have faith, hope, and love, and those are the three greatest things, but at the end, we're actually not going to have faith or hope in heaven, right? Because we don't need faith, we'll see God, right. and we don't need hope, because we'll possess God. Right. So you're right. So if everything's great and peachy and hunky-dory, hope is not nearly as, as necessary. Right. So, pessimists of the world unite. Yep. <laughs> That's right. You guys kind of touched on this a little bit, but like the source of our hope, you know, in the midst of our crazy world, like what gives you hope? I mean, it's Christ's victory on the cross, right? And that he's faithful to his promises. I think there's a lot of scripture passages. So, um, you know, some that came to mind as I was preparing for this episode were... Um, She's doing this all, by the way, off the top of her head. Yes. <laughs> memorize scripture. Yeah. Um, but I mean... It's a Catholic it, show. There'll be no memorized <laughs> scripture here. Ooh. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> but I think in terms of hope and bolstering our hope, right? Like when we have scripture and that's how, like, we, ha- we need to be familiar with God's word to us in order to understand, like, sort of the basis for our hope. So, um, you know... John six thirty nine. he says, and this is the will of the one who sent me that I should, should not lose anything of what he gave me, but I, that I should raise it on the last day. Um, John 14, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may also be. Um, and you know, I mean, the, the list goes on Romans eight thirty two. he who did not spare his own son, but handed him over for all of us. How will he not also give us everything along uh, with him? Yeah. So, I mean, well, I'm thinking of that quote from Romans, St. Paul says it so bluntly in hope we were saved. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so Pope Benedict took that as his second cyclical, I guess, because I think the first one was, uh, faith on um, charity, Deus Caritas, yeah. yep. but it's space Salvi and Salvi hope. No, space, space, hope, sorry. Space. Thought it would be salvation, right? Yeah. And so in hope, we're saying, yeah. So. I don't know where I was going with that. But. No. I take tremendous hope from the line, um, Christ desires that all men be saved. We were talking about this a bit before the, about, a bit before the episode started, but um, mm. like I take, tr- I, I have a very difficult time like sort of reconciling the idea that there are people who never encounter Christ, but nonetheless experience terrible suffering on this earth, and then saying that because they never met Christ, they will be denied salvation. So I take, and which is not the church teaching as far as I'm aware. And so like, I take tremendous hope from the idea that Christ actually actively desires the salvation of all. And even if that doesn't, isn't what happens because of our own free will, it, it, make, it gives me a lot of hope that, that that's at least the desire of God, right? Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, in John 6, you know, it's the it's the will that he shouldn't lose any, any right. of that. So. Yeah. 
Right. And, and I think that's an important shift in people's mentality. A lot of people will say, oh, life is a test, you know, to see if I can go to heaven or not. And I think that's a terrible way of looking at it because yeah. as a teacher, I mean, yeah, you want your t- kids to pass, but like this, I don't get that excited. Like if a kid fails, it's like, okay, well, whatever. But if it's, if it's not a test, but an invitation, right. you know, Christ is like, yo, I'm pulling for you. I'm doing everything possible to make you, you know, to save you. And really, it's it's up to us to turn away from that totally free and gratuitous gift. Right. You know, that's, yeah. that gives us a lot of hope. Yeah. yeah. And like I mean... He's on our side. And there are two extremes, right? So there's the extreme of kind of despair and presumption. So despair, you can... I mean, one thing that I had to kind of um, work on in my spiritual life was just, um, just the idea of... Because society is so geared towards like you have to you have to earn everything right and you have to prove yourself and all of this stuff and even in the spiritual life it's like I think God uh, through a lot of suffering you know God shows that it's not by not that we don't have to put in effort I'm not saying that but um like we would never merit you know heaven there's nothing there's no amount of task or you know accomplishment on earth that would allow us to sort of like marry eternal life with him Mm. and so i think that for people who are more scrupulous like myself and very hard on themselves like you you do have to realize that it is by grace that we're saved and that it's nothing it's not like we're we can obtain salvation on our own um and that, you know, like you said, that life is a test and I have to get an A plus on everything, you know. Um, but at the same time, you can't presume upon your salvation and just, you know, think that God is God is love, God is mercy, and I'm going to heaven no matter what I do. So Yeah, I think you made two great points there. One I mean, one of which I think our Protestant brothers and sisters really believe that Catholics think that we earn salvation. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes I hear that from priests, like, you know, what have you done for God lately? Well, I mean you know, we should be responding in, in, in the way we live our life, but that's not how we're saved. Right. It's always fascinating to me, the, the, the one in the Bible who's the first person in heaven is, do you know? The first person in heaven? That we know clearly. Doesn't, well, doesn't God take Moses into heaven? Mary? No. When Jesus is about to open the gates on the cross. Oh, the good thief, right? The repentant yeah. thief, yeah. And he didn't have any good works to bring to Jesus. All he had was was that faith. And, yeah. and obviously it's gotta be living faith. It's not just like I believe in Jesus, now I can sin all I want. But but the truth is like it's not something we can earn. Mm-hmm. Which give kind of takes a lot of the burden off our backs. Yeah. You know, because some Catholics feel like they have to be good enough for heaven. Yeah, and it can really I mean, the reason I brought it up because it it was very difficult for me in my sort of spiritual life and journey because you can um you can almost have this sense of of just wanting to give up, you know, because it's like I'm never I'm never gonna be as good as I as I need to be, and so it, almost the sense of like what's the point of trying, and that's that's horrible. That's the devil. That's the evil one. Um, and so it's important to embrace like the fact that like we would ne- we never merit salvation, like we never will, and it's a free gift of God. So. So let me ask you a, a pointed question that's a little bit off topic, but one that uh, was asked to me by a 15-year-old who has a very precocious spirituality. He said to me, is it prideful to desire to be a saint? No. Prideful to strive for, for because for him and, and for, you know, for many young people, like to have that goal of being a saint, you feel really, really like angry at yourself when you fall short of that goal. Would he mean a declared saint? 
I don't know because I mean I didn't ask further. On a that saint one, is just somebody in heaven, right? So I mean, I don't think it's prideful. Yeah, I don't think it's heaven, prideful because that's the purpose okay, of our maybe, lives. But if your goal, maybe a declared right? saint, right? If your goal is to have churches named after you in a feast day. I mean, a stronger oh, case. Yeah, I mean, I Joe guess Parada. it depends. Is he going after, yeah, like, the yeah. name and the fame that. of that? <laughs> yeah. Okay, but, but conversely, Joe, you wouldn't want to you wouldn't right, want to no. say, well, forget it. You know, God course, can't do and that and in I'm me. I'm sort of joking, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I think that it it's sort of like, it would sort of be like saying, is it um, prideful to hope to be an effective or popular pastor? So, well, it depends. Do you want to be a good pastor because you want to be liked? Or because you want like the trappings of success, or you want to be important in the sort of presbyterate of your diocese. Well, in that case, maybe yeah. But do you want to win souls for Christ? Is that your goal? Is your goal to be an effective pastor because you want to lead people to heaven? Well, in that case, that's not prideful. That's just that's your job. Mm. Like yeah, is it sinful to want to want to be a saint? Well, I want to be a saint. I want to go to heaven, and I would hope that if I live a, a good enough life, other people will be drawn to heaven by that. Not for my own sake though, and as long as it's not for your own sake, then I would think it's not prideful. Yeah. Which kind of takes the burden of success off of us, right? Because if we're detached and we just say, you know what, this Lord, this is for your glory, and, you know, whether it's being a good pastor or being a good example, you know, even if not a single person follows me, as long as I've done my job. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't though, because at the same time, you can't. Okay, there's this. I, I realized this a couple weeks ago. I was talking to somebody. You ever hear somebody say, "Well, I'm not. A, I'm, not I'm not a great Catholic," and they they mean one of two things by that. They mean either I'm not a great Catholic because I know I'm a sinner and I'm. I'm faithful, I'm trying to do my best, but I'm not perfect. Or they mean, I'm not a great Catholic because I disregard what the faith teaches on X, Y, or Z subject, and I kind of do whatever I want. And that sentence can mean both those things. Mm. And so, um, yeah, like I think that there's an extent to which you could say, well, I'm not a good Catholic, but I'm trying. And that's one thing. But some, a lot of people, I think, would say, well, I don't, I don't have to like... That's why it's, we're practicing but it's Right, but, then, uh, but there's another, there's another type of person who says, I'm not, I, don't, I don't have to earn salvation, which is true. <laughs> I don't have to do anything to, in, to be worthy of the God, which is true. I don't have to even lead anybody to heaven. Okay, fine. So I can kind of do whatever I want. It's like, no, you, if, you, if, if you want to be a saint, you have to choose to be a saint every well, day and every moment. Right? That, that, would just, be the, that would be the dead faith that James talks about. Right, but, but I think it's, enough to, it's easy to say, well, it's not, it's not by my acts that I'll be saved. It's like, yeah, true, but like your acts should still be good. You can't, oh, yeah, just, you yeah. can't just throw, throw complete disregard, you know, be dis- complete disregard all the things you're supposed to do and say, well, it's not by my axe, I'll be saved. Right. And Fair enough, but, you know. Martin Luther said one time, sin and sin on bravely, knowing that your sins are forgiven by the blood of Christ. Yeah, I mean, come on. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, this, I mean, and clearly, he was trying to emphasize the saved by faith alone, but we as Catholics believe that it's faith that's lived out through works, right? Because right. if we really have the faith, then we want to be conformed to Jesus. Yeah, and I mean, the woman caught in adultery, right? I mean, Jesus says, go and sin no more. He doesn't, you know, it, that's not, <laughs> the forgiveness is, you know, uh, and the Savior is not, or like the saving of her is not the final word. It's like, don't, don't do this again. And boy, people misunderstand that when they talk about mercy. Yeah. Right? They think yeah. mercy is just a license to keep sinning. Yeah, and it's no, not. that's not what mercy is. Right. And forgiveness and mercy, um, sort of like the predisposition for that is a, a sense of remorse. <laughs> so if you're going to, if you plan to continue sinning, I mean, that's not true right. contrition. Right. But, you know, the other weird thing that comes up on this subject is the idea of predestination. Ooh. And I was talking to a very, a very close Rope friend of mine. Open a can of worms. Let's go. I was talking to a very good friend of mine uh, just just last week um, who converted from Catholicism to Protestantism. Mm. And we're kind of going over these different things, you know. And this came up, and I sort of flippantly made it, made a comment about predestinationists, and then I realized he was one, sort of. And I was like, "Well," I said to him, I said, well, "But he knew you were going to make that comment, right?" So I said, "I, I, said, I said just to be clear, to I said you had this great conversion by this by this pastor friend of yours, but why?" Father just was full of them today. I know, I know, full of something, full of something. <laughs> I, said, I said you had this great conversion by this by this pastor friend of yours, but if you believe in predestination, why be him? Why work for the kingdom? Why 
I said, I said, if you believe if predestination is true, your conversion is totally meaningless to your own salvation. Completely meaningless. You could have gone on exactly as you were, and you were still saved, or you weren't saved. How did he respond? Not really. He didn't really have anything to that. I'll be honest. <laughs> like, okay. I, I, I said, it's not just you. I said, your your family hasn't gone through this conversion, but it doesn't matter to you because they they either are saved or they aren't saved. So convert, don't convert. Give yourself to Christ, don't give yourself to Christ. It doesn't matter because you're saved or you're not saved. So that's not, and that gets to the presumption question or the, or the despair question, right? It's like, well, it's either I'm saved or I'm not, and that's it. It's like, well, that's, you're not going to live a life in keeping with the gospel. That's what you believe. Because why would you? I guess maybe you love Jesus so much that you will, but I think a lot of people would say, well, I have no control over it anyway. I can't even choose to lose my salvation. So mm. so what's the point of anything? Which is, I, I, Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I wonder if they, I mean, do they believe it that strictly that like literally I mean, I think nothing you can do to change your 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 state? Well, to really get into the weeds now, he he said, well, I think that there could be free will and predestination. I said that's even worse because that means that you could choose to do the bad and still be saved, <laughs> or choose to do the good and not be saved. I said you'd rather I'd rather believe in no free will and predestination, right? It's actually yeah. it's actually worse if there's free will and predestination. I mean, I think I think just on trying to understand where they come from, I think the struggle is well, if God knows everything already, yeah, no, I right? totally get yeah, yeah. time. Like, how yeah. does how do our actions impact something outside of time? And oh, yes, it's totally weird to think about the idea of an all-knowing God and free will at the same time. I'm not saying it isn't. I'm just saying that. Right. That Although is. predestination is a really tricky topic because we, as Catholics, do believe in it. And there's like the Molinist approach and there's the uh, like Thomas Aquinas approach. I've never heard of this. But... Yeah. And I just listened to like an hour podcast uh, by one of the Dominicans talking about it. It's very confusing. And right. um, I, I think we should do a whole nother podcast episode on it because... <laughs> That's fair. Don't want to speak heresy here. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, we got to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I just think it touches on the question of hope and of despair, right? Because if, you have, if, if nothing you do has any effect on anything, it's easy to have hope. and it, It's easy to be presumptuous and it's easy to despair. But there would be no hope, yeah, because hope, right. is, hope, is, hope a is a good, that's, the question, yeah. a good that's possible but not yet possessed. Right. So, which brings us to then the, the flip side, which you know um, is despair in that, or I'm not despair, but presumption, which is so common in today's world. You know, we were talking right before this episode that we're recording this on uh, June 21st, which the gospel reading is Jesus saying that those who are saved are few, you know, and, and in today's modern world, like, seems to be quite the opposite, that as long as you're not Hitler, you go to heaven. Yeah, I call it not Hitlerism. Not Hitlerism, exactly, not Hitlerism. So let me ask you a pointy question. So there was this theologian, I think in the 70s, maybe 60s or 70s, named Hans Urs von Balthasar, mm. who wrote a very famous book. Go which you've never heard of, but it had huge impact, and it's called Dare We Hope That All Men Be Saved. And his idea is that, well, God is so loving and merciful that perhaps he finds a way for even the most hardened sinner to be saved. And he's saying, well, it's, it's possible that hell is empty. What are your thoughts? Is it possible that hell is empty and that everyone in the end really is saved? I mean, Jesus talks the most about hell. <laughs> That's true, he does. <laughs> so, I mean... I'm inclined toward Balthazar's position, actually. Um, I'm, I'm certainly inclined toward hope. And it seems weird to me because a lot of the, like the, the book, first of all, the book in the original German, the title is not Dare We Hope That All Men Be Saved. I forget what it is, but it's, it's, it's a little less hard on the, like, it, it sounds a little bit less. It's like, a little more in the middle. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's hope. It isn't saying, dare we believe that all men be saved or dare we guarantee that all men be saved. Um, I read the passion story and end up feeling a bit bad for Judas Ooh. because if it's true that we had to be saved by Christ's death 
and it's true that he had to be turned over by somebody. Jesus literally says that somebody has to do it and, and it would be better for that person if he had not been born. And then Judas tries to repent and it basically turned away and hangs himself. It's a tragic story just taken by itself. It is. Yeah. And I think that it's easy for us to steel ourselves against him in that story and say, well, he's the epitome of evil and I would never be in that position. It's like, oh, really? You wouldn't. I mean, how do you know? So one person selling out his friend for money, that's not a story as old as time. <laughs> I mean, like, you must be really, really perfect. So I, 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 my, my point is not to, like, defend Judas. My point is that, like, I read that story and I think, yeah, I hope that God has mercy on him. I don't hope that he doesn't have mercy on him, right? Well, that's like, like, I think, was it St. Augustine who said that part of the joys of heaven will be, like, basically taking satisfaction in the pains of people in hell? Did he say that? There was a saint who said that. That's not how I feel. It just isn't. I don't. No, I don't want. I even look at people who commit awful acts in the world today, and I think, gee, I really hope that they're that they're brought to conversion at some point. So yeah, do I sure. like? Am I? Would I bet that hell is empty? I mean, no, right? But like, I have a lot of. I know a lot of so many people who really are do think that they're doing the good, living for the good, living for the just. Don't have left the church or never knew the church or aren't involved in sacramental life. Am I going to write them off? I mean, so I, of course I hope for them and I pray for them. And why would we pray for the dead if we didn't have hope? That's the other thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, why? Ha- I, mean, I remember one time my pastor, I was, I think I was leaving mass after serving and this woman walked up to me about to have a funeral mass and she, go- and whatever the name, woman's name who would die, the name was Betty or whatever. She goes, um, she, she, father said, you know, we're going to pray for Betty's soul. And the woman goes, that's good. Cause she had a lot of sins. <laughs> the father's response was, well, that's fine. Christ has a lot of mercy. Oh, that's and I was like, that's, that's right. Why would you say otherwise? <laughs> what are you going to say? You're right. Let's not do it. Call off the funeral. I mean, of course you're going to have hope. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy not to. So that's my rant. Sorry. That's a, <laughs> that was a good rant. That was a good yeah, rant. Thank you. My, see, my only response to that is uh, that the testimony of the scriptures and the testimony of the saints bear witness to the fact that hell is not only not empty, but it's, it's rather populated. You know, I think of St. Faustina had a vision of hell, the three children of Fatima, St. Padre Pio, um, you know, it's just so many of the saints. And of course, Christ, as you mentioned, Christ is the one that talked about how it's the narrow gate, few find it, talked about hell, I think, 19 times yeah. in the Gospels. So, so like, in terms of any one specific person, I do hope that Judas and Adam and all these other, you know, right. Hitler is in heaven. Absolutely. Um, do I, do I, again, as you said, you know, would I bet that? Right. No, of course Probably not. not. So, so I think, I think, um, from a theological perspective, solely on the intellectual level, yes, I can I can hope that all are saved. However, when it comes down to the nitty gritty, I think it becomes very spiritually dangerous yeah, to hope that all are saved. Because then, first of all, we stop praying for people at funerals. You know, we're like, oh, you know, because I mean, how many times have you heard at a funeral? We know she's in a better place. Do we? No, we don't. Do we know that? Right. We don't. We don't. The church, unless you are a canonized saint, the church does not declare that you are in heaven. Yeah. So grandma, as holy as she may be, might be in purgatory. Right. Who knows, right? I mean. Yep. And the, like, I mean, we have to remember to, I mean, I will go back to exactly what you said. Scripture, um, the saints, uh, you know, Fatima, everything, you know, especially Marian, um, uh, like apparitions. apparitions. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we have to remember, too, that, like, God is a God of he's mercy and he's just and so i think a lot of people too think like how could a good god send people to hell but we have to remember that like we send ourselves to hell right. people send themselves so it's um it's a failure on the part of the person to uh to you know accept christ and to have lived in accordance with his commandments so it's it's not really i mean it's it's basically that person getting what they ask for um, well, some people don't want to live heaven on earth, so why would they want to live heaven in heaven? Yeah, okay, fair enough. But I think we tend to, when we're talking about this, we tend to think about it as ourselves or our family. 
like, yeah, I've been catechized, right? I've been sacramentalized. So if I turn away from the faith and become like a murderer or something like that, yeah, I, I am cho choosing hell myself. But like, think about think about like a poor girl growing up in the mountains in Afghanistan right now. Never met a Christian, never heard the word Christ or church or Jesus or Bible, is going to live a terrible life for 15 years and then die. Okay. Well, it was easy to say, yeah. oh, we, we, we're fine, but like she didn't right. choose the wrong. No, but the, church, but there is... the church makes a declarative statement on that. In the no, 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 I know it does. Believe, but my, my, my point is that if we actually look at the numbers of the world, then there are a lot of people who've never had the kind of experiences we've had, who for them, they're not choosing between God and not God. They've never met the real God. Yes, but natural law. Of course, but that's right. a step. That's a whole other thing now. That that I mean, significantly lowers the bar, right? I mean, well, it it's does. Still it does, living absolutely. according to conscience, so of course it does. And and without a doubt, form conscience. By the way, by your culture, conscience can be absolutely deformed yeah. by the things they taught. But and yeah, that's why I think. I mean, Christians are going to be judged with a lot more. Oh yeah, um, you know. Just that's all I'm saying. I think there are a lot of people who like a just God. I, I I really do hope this. A just God will look at it and say you didn't have the same chance as other people did. Oh, absolutely. And, and also, if, mm -hmm. if we believe that God is steering our lives, it means he didn't put people in their lives who are going to call them that kind of conversion. I mean, there, are there aren't missionaries in certain parts of the world right now. Right. Well, that's not the fault of those people, but no. at the same time, there are but saints who have said, oh, all the people who are going to hell because of the cowardice of priests who won't go to these places. And but so, so it's, it's, it's all complicated. Yeah. I just, I don't think it's as simple as saying God's a God of justice, which I'm not saying it's what we're saying, obviously, but it's like, it's a lot more complicated than either saying God's a God of love, so we're all saved, or God's a God of justice, so none of us, so very few of us are saved. It's like, yeah, we don't know. We don't know. That's the, we don't that's know the, the whole numbers. part. If we, yeah, we, we don't knew, know we percentages or numbers. Right. I mean, that's not, you know. Uh, I, I do believe in the apparitions of Our Lady at Garabandal in Spain uh, in the 60s. It's still kind of questionable, but she was asked that question, like, who, like, what's fuller, you know, heaven or hell? She said the number one is purgatory. Most people go to purgatory. She said after that is hell, and the third one is the people that go straight to heaven. But that's also a sign of hope, and that's why yeah, I think Protestants don't sure. about purgatory. Purgatory is a hopeful thing. It is it's way better than Amen. the alternative, which is having to be perfect when you die. Right? <laughs> way better than the alternative. Hard to do. Yeah. But I was thinking of a story uh, that that struck me about you know kind of this idea of like having to choose God. I'll never forget. I was I was um, on a Boy Scout camping trip when I was growing up, and and um, the son of my confirmation teacher was was in that troop. It was this like week long thing that we were doing up in the mountains in Maryland. And uh, so my dad actually had to drive to the campsite, take me out because it was like over a weekend. I took me out for a Saturday vigil mass and drove back to the campsite. So I had to miss this like four mile awful hike. I missed like cooking dinner, which is a pain. So I got there and dinner was ready for me. And I was like, this is really great. You know, and, and this kid, Chris, who was the son of my confirmation teacher, came up to me. He's like, where'd you go? I was like, you know, I went to mass. He's like, you missed the hike and cooking dinner because of mass? I was like, yeah. And he said, I'd rather hike 40 miles than go to mass. And I was like, wow, you know, this, these, it can be the exact same experience, the mass, but for one person, it's the most unpleasant thing that he could possibly do. For me, it was a joy. You know, so you can have that same experience of God. Like some people are like, yeah, God is, God is great. And I can't wait to spend eternity with him. Some people, other people are like, I'd rather do anything than spend eternity with God. Yeah. And here's, this life is where we figure out whether we are going to want to spend eternity with God. So how do we how do we grow in this virtue of hope? Well, you can definitely pray for it because mm -hmm. it's a gift. So I encourage people to. I mean, every day I pray for an increase in faith, hope, and love. Um, so that's that's a good starting point because you can't manufacture it yourself. Yeah, I'd also say like look for the signs of hope in your life, and look for the good things that happen to you, and the and not just like oh like I won the lottery today or something like that, but or like there had no traffic late at work. Like look for like the ways in which the spirit is moving in your life and the ways in which you are impacting other people's lives and they're impacting yours back because those are signs of hope. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, like I, I think for me, like, you know, um, 
I was a confirmation teacher, season teacher. That's all ended, and it's amazing how much, how much, how many more seats there are open at Sunday Mass now that confirmation. Not the city's <laughs> over, right? And it's very easy for me to be like, wow, I had like fifty to sixty kids this year, and I see like five of them in Mass. And it's very easy, very hard on myself about that, and rightfully so. But then also, I look at some kids who like clearly their lives were changed a little bit. And it's like, wow, that's a sign of hope. So like, mm. like don't just. Don't just say, oh, well, there's nothing to hope for. So, well, look around you. Maybe there is. <laughs> I mean, maybe there is a sign of hope for in your life. You sound almost optimistic. Yeah, don't I? <laughs> We're end this episode quickly then. <laughs> but I think you're right because these signs of hope are, are foretastes of the kingdom. Right. Like the, the down payment on the, the great riches we're going to have. You know, a, um, a priest I was talking to told me that um, I was saying how I really want to grow in trust in God's plan in my life. I said, well, trust is, like a, is, a, is a learned virtue. It's like, it's like you don't just trust somebody, you, you trust them and then you see that it pays off and you trust them more. It's kind of the same thing here. Mm-hmm. It's like trust in God's plan for your life and that will give you hope and do it in small ways first and let it kind of build naturally. Yeah. You know? And I would add that, that you could study the promises of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Scripture is so important, you know? And it keeps you like from getting wrapped up in all of the like nitty gritty of the day to day, you know, and, and the eternal perspective. But it really, like it is good to memorize scripture and yeah. to, to be able to point back to all of his promises and the way that, I mean, just some of the, some of the passages that we talked about today in terms of what's in store for those who love him. Mm-hmm. And that is that Romans eight, you know, that, that uh, all, all things work for good for those who love God. Thank you so much for joining us in this episode of Restless. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM, also on FM, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time. <laughs>